Good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that we are able to come together and worship you in this place. Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds today so that we could focus on your word and receive the message. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined us today. We've got a couple of announcements, and we like to frame them in our five practices, the first of which is radical hospitality. Uh, if you have any prayer concerns that you'd like to share uh, with our Tuesday prayer group, if it's your first day, if you've been here 50 years, you're welcome to raise your hand, and an usher will bring you a note card and a, print and a pencil. If you'll please print legibly, and uh, the prayer group will pray over your concern this Tuesday. Um, we have a, no, I'm sorry, it will be a week from Tuesday because we're off um, for the fourth. We have a brand new newsletter out. We get a newsletter on the first Sunday of every month. Aaron does a tremendous job compiling and beautifying the newsletter. It goes out on Facebook, it goes out in the email, and you have a print version on the back table that you can hold in your hands. Uh, we ask that you please pick one of those up. We put a good bit of work into it, and I think it's very helpful for you uh, for the coming month. Um, passionate worship. Um, we believe in passionate worship, and today is a fun day. Uh, Garner Brooks is our intern for the summer, and he's going to preach for us uh, in both worship services. Uh, you'd think, you know, it might be scary to get in front of the congregation and give a sermon, but last week he taught the threes and fours Sunday school class. Uh, so today is a breeze compared to that. Uh, so Garner, we're grateful to have you today. Um, intentional faith development. Let me do something I don't normally do. I want you to raise your hand 
if you can stick around for 30 seconds after, after Sunday school class, um, cross trainers member. There we go. Uh, partners in faith member. There you go. Uh, foundations. Might have to wait after, after 11 o'clock. Adults Unlimited. There we go. Seekers. Probably after 11. Camac. Yep, after 11. Wesley Davenport. After 11. Uh, Partners in Faith. Did I already say that? I think I did. And Stepping Stones. If you can, there you go. Great. So if y'all will come to me right after worship, thank you. Uh, we're um, improving the handout that we give uh, new visitors, and we want to make sure that we get it exactly right uh, with a map that we're putting in our brochures. Uh, risk-taking mission and service. We had a great week feeding Sockahatchee folks. This is um, uh, uh, maybe 40, way more than 40 camps all over the state, all with uh, multiple sites who are fixing people's homes who cannot afford to do it. We hosted a group uh, for lunch every day, and we sent a group um, from our church uh, to the Piedmont area, and they're back and had a tremendous time in Sockahatchee. Um, I know this is on the other side of the 4th and not on your radar, but I'll say it. July 24th is a parent's night out. It's from 5.30 to 7.30. The youth will take care of your children. The youth will take care of your children. And they'll take um, donations for a mission and service. Uh, July 24th. Extravagant generosity. And, th and there'll be adults there too. Yeah. Third. It's July 23rd. No uh, Extravagant generosity. If you signed up for quarterly statements, then you probably got one yesterday. You certainly don't have to sign up for email statements, but if you are willing to do that, it helps us get the paper statements out to those who want them faster uh, because we can do one side and then do the other side. So if you would like emailed quarterly statements, you can see Jimmy, uh, his email in the bulletin. Make sure that you notice that. Um, the church office will be closed this week uh, for the 4th, and I'll be gone this week until Saturday. If you have a pastoral care concern, if you look in your bulletin, it's now one bulletin. Uh, for both worship services, and we accidentally printed a color one last week, and we thought, hmm, let's take a look at printing color every week, uh, so um, we'll see how that works. But there's a pastoral care number in the bulletin. If you'll please call that and just leave a detailed message, uh, we'll be happy to get to you as quick as possible. I believe that's all of our announcements for the day, so let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this space. We thank you for a time in which we can gather together away from the outside world before we travel or before we host to hear your word for us today. We thank you for the musicians who put so much time in this week to sing for us and to lead us. We thank you for those who prepared this space for us to gather. We thank you for Garner and the work that he put in to create a sermon. And we ask that you help uh, the meditations of his heart, the words of his mouth to be from you, Lord. It's in your holy and precious name, through your Son, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So Garner is our intern this entire summer.
He's gotten uh, experience in every realm already just this month, and we've got him for a whole nother um, six weeks, and today he's going to preach for us. Good morning. Um, I'm very, my name is Garner Brooks. Uh, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to speak here today. Uh, I know what everyone was thinking. Everyone knew that I was going to be preaching today. I know what everyone's thinking. They're thinking, Pastor Joe, he has just changed the way I've listened to sermons. I just don't know if I could bear to hear another person do it because I just, they just won't do it justice. I know that's what y'all are thinking, but I'm thankful that each of y'all came out here today. And I've been introduced several times in both services by now, but what's one more time? So I'll just do it myself. Uh, my name is Garner Brooks. I've been a member here at Memorial for several years. And this summer, I am the intern here, and it's been a great experience learning about the ins and outs of running a church, what it takes to put these services together each week, and about what it takes to keep a church running during the week. And that's really important to me, and that's been just a tremendous blessing, because this fall, I'm going to be a senior at North Greenville, and I'm a Christian studies major. And that's geared toward ministry and theology and missions. And so people of my major, we usually go to seminary after college, and then we have a career in ministry. So it was just, it's been a great experience learning about what my future could actually look like. And so that is me, and let's turn to the text. And today it's Matthew, I don't know if it goes there. Matthew 10, verses 40 through 42. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he's my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. And so, as a Christian studies major, I have certain classes that I have to take to fulfill my major requirements. Everything from apologetics to systematic theology to the book of Ecclesiastes, all of that. And this past spring semester, I took a class called Principles of Church Planning and Revitalization. And a big part of that class, a big part of our grade, was we had to plant a mock church. We were all assigned roles. Each week, we had to get together and have meetings and we had to find a location to have a church. We had to go there, do some kind of outreach. We had to plan a worship service, have some people that could perform worship music, someone to give a sermon, provide refreshments, all of that. And it was really, really hard, especially the outreach. We had to go somewhere that none of us had ever been before. Has anyone ever heard of Rockvale before? I'm convinced it's, it can only be found by those who already know where it is, but it's in, over and easily, so there you go. Um, we had to go there. We knew no one in the area, and we had to go door canvassing in random neighborhoods and talk to strangers. And we had no clue whether anyone would be receptive to us or would want to be a part of a church plant. We didn't have much in the way of resources, just a little bit of money our professor gave us, so not much and these small postcards with information on it about the worship service. All we really had was a task, a message, and a place and people to take it to, which brings us back to the text. 
Because in this chapter, this is when Jesus is commissioning his disciples and he's sending them out to the different towns and villages in Israel and he's sending them with a message that the kingdom of God is near to places that they may know very well, they're from the area, but a lot of places they don't know, to preach to maybe a few people that they know and a lot of people that they don't. And they're not just trying to go door to door and sell a product or anything like that. They're trying to spread the message about Jesus and his kingdom, a message that was going to completely change the entire world. And Jesus told them that it wasn't going to be easy, and they're going to face a lot of opposition and a lot of loss. And the first thing that Jesus told them was that they were going to lose their possessions because he told them not to bring anything with them. He said that don't bring any extra possessions with you because it's not going to help you spread anything. It's not going to give you any special power. It's not going to help you really at all. So just give it up. And by the late first century, there, were, there was a group of prophets, and they would go around, uh, prophets, quote-unquote, and they would go around and they would preach for money or some kind of payment. They wanted to get something out of it. And if we're honest with ourselves, how often do we do something, even something that's right, because we want to get something out of it? I mean, we work for money. Even doctors and surgeons who are performing life-saving operations they do it, they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't get money out of it. And we always think in terms of quid pro quo, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. But Jesus said that it's completely different with spreading the kingdom of God. Because he did promise a reward, but not quite in the same way. Not like we perform a service and now he owes us some kind of payment. And that's because the kingdom of God, healing the sick and raising the dead and chasing out demons, what he told his disciples to do, all of that was a message that you had to receive as a gift. And he gave the authority to preach freely, and it can be received without cost. But we do get a reward. It says in the text, if you receive a prophet as a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. And a prophet is someone who comes with the authority of the one who sent them to preach. And um, one second here. Of course, you know, right, I plan, you know, for several weeks, and then I get right here, and then, you know, something happens. But, <laughs> and uh, they gave him the authority to, he gave his disciples the authority to drive out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. And it was all about restoration, because that was a central part of the message. And that, none of that power, none of that authority came from any possessions. And in telling his disciples to leave behind all of their possessions and not to rely on them, Jesus was eliminating financial barriers to preaching the gospel. Because now, if you had many possessions or few, if you were rich or poor, it doesn't matter anymore. Because the message, the authority, and the reward that come with it, they transcend those barriers. Because one of the most common ways that people have always tried to divide themselves and take advantage of each other. That was set aside for the gospel. Anyone can preach it, and anyone can receive it. And what else could we lose? We've already lost our possessions. What else could we lose? Jesus said we could lose our freedom. There could be persecution from local government that could take our rights away. And that's not a huge concern for us here now, thankfully. We probably won't get thrown in prison for preaching down the streets of Greer. 
but government's not the only outside force that could try to stop us from preaching. Jesus said that our own friends and family could become a hindrance to preaching. In chapter 10, verse 21, a little bit earlier, Jesus said, Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Your own parents who raised you, your own siblings you grew up with, your own flesh and blood children whom you raised, these relationships could turn against you. And he said also in verses 37 through 39, he said, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You had to love Jesus more than your own mother or father or children. The family unit, which starts as the most central building block of society, the natural and most, the strongest bonds that we're supposed to form, they can turn against us and divide us. And Jesus himself later, he said in chapter 13, verse 57, he said that he was a prophet without honor. In, in context, he was talking about the people in his own hometown because he had just gone to them and preached. And the people that had known him the longest and were supposed to have known him the best, they rejected him and his message. It was supposed to be one of the most defining factors in who someone is ended up being just another division, another barrier. But the authority to restore the message itself, that does not come from biological family. The family connection's a big deal for them in Israel and for us today. I mean, how often do people here in the South make assumptions about you based on who you're related to? Or how often does name recognition ever come into play? This past election season, we had several candidates that had fantastic name recognition. Everybody already knew who they were and who their family were, and many people had already made judgments about these candidates based on, based on those assumptions before they'd heard any of their ideas. What was supposed to help identify them, identify these candidates, became a liability. But the authority and the message and the reward None of that comes from who you know or who you're related to. A big part of what the Israelites thought it meant to be a part of the kingdom of God was being descended from Abraham. They thought that their bloodline gave them a special connection to God. And even after that, they say, you know, I'm born, I'm a descendant of Abraham, I'm an Israelite, I'm from Judah, I'm a Pharisee, I follow the law to the T. And they just add barriers onto that. And Jesus did tell them to start in Israel, but he told them it was not going to stop there. And this family tie is just another thing that people have always used to divide themselves and put pride in. But the gospel transcends this barrier. People always try to create an us versus them kind of mentality, especially when they're trying to inspire other people to take action. And this July 4th, July 4th is, is this Tuesday, and we're going to celebrate the founding of America, and we're going to do that as a pretty divided country. On one side, you have some people saying, this is the right thing that we're supposed to be doing. This is what's going to be best for the country. We need to do this. And on the other side, you have some people saying, no, 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 this is the right thing that we're supposed to do. Here's what's going to be best for all of us and best for the country. This is what we should do. And at the helm of it all, you have some people saying, you know what the real problem is? The problem's not the ideas. The problem is those people over there. If we could just stop those people, they're the real enemy. So we just have to stop them, and then everything's going to be all right. And whenever we place this kind of pride in ourselves, in our ideas, in our creations, then we're going to create another barrier that's going to divide us. 
But when we look to the gospel message and when we receive it, and that becomes the primary focus of our lives, then those other barriers, possessions, and family heritage, and nationality, all of that disappears because you're no longer defined by any of it. Now you're a disciple. You're a prophet, a righteous person, one of these little ones. You have the authority of the messenger, the character of the messenger, and you're a follower of the messenger. You're part of a new kingdom with a new king and a part of a new family with a new father. And if you do this, if you receive the message and you spread it, then if you face persecution from your family or government and you lose your freedom, and Jesus said, don't be afraid of these forces. Don't be afraid of people who try to persecute you on account of me. Because Jesus said that they're not the ones that can kill soul and body. And you will, will receive a reward if you lose these things. And he said that reward was eternal life with a new father who loves you perfectly and knows you perfectly. So what other barriers could there be? Not possessions or family or nationality could stop the message from being preached. What else could there be? Fear. Fear of what? Has anyone ever done any kind of door canvassing or made cold calls at work, worked at a phone bank, called customer service one time and actually gotten a person on the other line? You remember when that person picked up and you inevitably just said, hey, and that was about it. And when that's because, you know, in those interactions, you know, the real problem is we're just like, oh, this, is, this is really awkward. I, just, I don't know what I'm supposed to say here. When Jesus was talking about going before councils and rulers, what did he say? He said, don't worry about finding the words to say. He said, the Holy Spirit will give you the words that you're supposed to say. And you think, you know, I get that, but I could still mess it up or say something wrong. And that's the same argument that Moses tried to use to tell God, God, you can't send me to free the people in, from Egypt. You know, I'm, I can't speak very well. But that didn't stop God. And that's because a prophet doesn't come with their own message or their own words. They come with a message and with words that they have already received. A righteous person comes as a doer of the message. If you've received the message, you are righteous. You can't say anymore, you know, I see them out there. They're doing something that I know is wrong but, you know, I've done the exact same thing before. I'll sh I'm going to look like a hypocrite, so I can't say anything. It's not how it works anymore. Because you have the character and the authority of the one who sent you. So now, no past action, no thing that you regret can stop the gospel. You think, well, okay, I, I get that, but what if, what if people still reject me? What if I do all this stuff? What if I go on knock on doors, go and talk to all these strangers, have all these awkward conversations, and people say, nope, I'm not interested. Well, when I was doing that mock church plant that I was talking about, we had to do some outreach in Rockvale. We probably knocked on about 100 doors and about maybe 60 answered, and somewhere around 40 people said that they were interested in coming to the church plant. But you know how many people actually showed up on the night of our service? You, know, you think maybe, I don't know, 10 or 20? Not one person. No one showed up. And that was disappointing, but does that mean that it was all for nothing? Of course not. Because regardless of how many people showed up, we still had a worship service, we still had music, we still had a sermon, we still had refreshments, and we all still got an A for our grade. So there was still a reward for all of us for doing that. 
regardless of the results. And in Ezekiel chapter 33, God told Ezekiel to do something similar. He told him to be a watchman to the Israelites. He said, you need to warn the Israelites about their sin and about any impending crises that are going to come. And if you warn them and they don't do anything, then whatever happens, that's on them. It's their fault. But if you know that they're doing something wrong, if you see them doing something wrong, and you don't warn them against it, then whatever happens, that, those consequences, they're on you. And that's a big responsibility. But regardless of whether anyone listened, the prophet Ezekiel, he still had a job to tell people. The same thing that he did then, and that we did in that church plant, and the same thing that we're called to do, we do it regardless of the results. A prophet is still a prophet if no one listens to them. A righteous person is still righteous if no one joins them in obeying the word. And disciples of Jesus are still disciples if no one actually listens to them and becomes a Christian. But before any of that happens, before we could be prophets or righteous people or one of these little ones that he talks about, we had to accept the message for ourselves. The text says that anyone who offers even a cup of cold water to these little ones because they're my disciple will certainly not lose their reward. And that was back then offering a cup of cold water to someone, that was the smallest level of hospitality that you could possibly offer to someone. If you had absolutely nothing else, then you are gonna at least offer that. And if you were hosting someone really important, like a king or a lord, then you definitely had to offer a lot more than just a cup of cold water. But Jesus said that if that's all you had, and that's the only thing that you could give to show that you'd received the message, then for him, that's enough because you don't need to have much to receive it. And we are those who have received the message. So we've received Jesus and the one who sent him. So how do we show that we've received it? We have to follow it by action. And in, in closing, you know, this leads to radical hospitality. That's what the first example that the text gives is one of radical hospitality. And we have a lot more than cold water. We have more finances, we have a higher standard of living, we have more possessions, but we have just as many opportunities to give. And if we receive a message that calls us to give, that says no matter what you do or don't have, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are or where you're from, follow Jesus and do what he says and go and tell people this same message, then there's nothing that we can't give up. There's not anything he cannot tell us to be willing to leave behind, no one he can't tell us to go and preach to, there's nowhere that we can't go. And that leads to risk-taking mission and service. We live in an area with people who still need to hear the gospel message. We live in an area with people who feel trapped by their circumstances. They put barriers up around themselves or others put barriers around them and they feel like there's no escape for them. They feel trapped and they need someone to turn to. And so what can you give? You don't, Jesus says that you don't need anything, so that means you can give anything. And what can you do? You can be a prophet, one who preaches the message, or a righteous person, one who is a doer of the message. And we have a lot of opportunities here to take action. We have our Salkahatchee mission trips, or we can give canned goods to Greer Relief Ministries, and we're starting a chapter of the Honey Dudes. And in all of these things, there's a reward for those who trust in the message that overcomes all obstacles and follow it with action. Amen.
I love it. If y'all stand and join in the modern affirmation found on the screen. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all His works, and whose will is directed to His children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. It's now time for our offering, and you can give in the traditional fashion with the plate going by. And if you'd like to give electronically, you'll see instructions in your bulletin.
Would you stand and sing this last one with us?